Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. Today I have with me Jocelyn Simon. We've had a good time uh, connecting with each other around the world. We talk on LinkedIn a lot, Jocelyn. <laughs> Yes, we do. <laughs> well, welcome to Ponderings from the Purge, finally. <laughs> Thank you. I know. It's been a long time coming, but I'm super excited to be here. I have to say it is my very first podcast appearance, so I'm excited to, okay. uh, to have gotten this underway. It's well, exciting. new to the podcast, but not new to the stage. We see you around the world getting some good <laughs> quality time um, telling people what's what. Yes, yeah. <laughs> definitely uh since, yeah, quite a, quite a bit of time around the industry, 10 years, in fact. So it's uh, it's fun getting awesome. on stage, but it's also fun doing the, the podcast for kids, too. Well, we're going to get to more people. But Jocelyn Simon is the senior VP, and she's the head of client services at Nailbiter. And they, if you don't know who Nailbiter is, they really, at the core of things, are helping brands unlock the shopper insights and and really helping people capture that powerful moment it happens. So tell us a little bit before we get going, just about your role at Nailbiter and, and what's so interesting going on over there right now. Yeah, thanks. So it's it's been a, a pretty fast and furious seven months. So I joined Nailbiter in July. Um, and it's it's been an awesome time because the offering, like you said, is, is pretty exciting. It's um, pretty unique qualitative in that we're able to understand that moment of truth, right? Shoppers at point of purchase, it's you know, us observing that behavior in the moment that it's happening, but we are doing it at quantitative scale. And that's what really is, is setting our platform and our approach apart because we're able to really and truly scale behavioral research. So, you know, behavioral big buzzword right now. <laughs> it has been for for the past decade, I'd say. Um, in fact, my my career, you know, was in the behavioral sciences for many years. I was at Brain Juicer System One Research for eight years. So, um, exciting to to bring my career to this next level and and taking, you know, that in the moment purchase decision that we're able to observe um, mm-hmm. through our through our mobile app and quantify that. So, right. It's been an exciting time getting the the platform and the application out to the industry um, and really opening up those insights in the moment of truth. Yeah, and you talk sometimes with me about this concept of, quote, I'm using air quotes on podcasts right now, uh, real behavior. So, and we've talked about this a lot in market research. What's the difference of reported behavior and actual real behavior, reported emotions and real emotions and things like this. So tell us a little bit about that concept of real behavior as you uh, you know, as you observe it at Nailbiter? Yeah, so real behavior is observed in its most natural form, right? Like, it, I think this industry would blow wide open if we were able to passively observe and understand what humans were doing at all times. That's obviously not uh, feasible. Um, but <laughs> or in alignment things, with any of the privacy contracts right now. Correct, yeah, there would be a lot of yeah issues there. But uh, we are getting very close by observing shoppers in their most natural state. So let me just back up and tell you a little bit how we're doing that. Yeah. So we're recruiting shoppers that are going on intended shopping trips. So through our mobile app, we invite people to download the app and we ask them a couple of questions such as like, what's on your shopping list next time you're going to the store? So they're telling us what categories that they're going to be going to the store for. If we're doing a project for chips, for example, and somebody says that they're going to be buying chips, then we invite them to take a short video of the shelf the next time that they go to make that trip. So they're telling us that they're going to the store and we're not sending them on a mission. 
And when they get there, we're giving them very light instructions to take a video of that purchase transaction. And it's all happening through the mobile device. Mm -hmm. And as you know, the mobile device is like an extra appendage, basically, (laughs) of of humans at this point. So, you know, we tested Google Glasses, we tested all sorts of mechanisms, and then we said, wait, mobile devices is the most natural thing for people to use. And video, too, right? Like, video is how we communicate today, FaceTime, Skype, YouTube. People are just used to making videos, talking, uh, you know, through experiences. So that is how we're capturing real behavior, right? Mm. And that that's what got me most excited about coming to Nailbiter is that we aren't relying on recall behavior. We all know that the human brain is very unreliable. And even projected behavior, what we say is not always what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So getting in that moment of truth was so exciting for me. And then bringing that to our clients is so exciting for them. And then the way that we're able to scale that and, and apply that to business questions, it's just, it's been a really fun marriage in terms of answering business questions using real behavior. Right, because I can keep telling you all I want that um, I'm going to buy this Louis Vuitton bag because it's a good investment. But we all know it's because people are vain. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a great example. <laughs> Putting yourself out there with that example. But yeah, no, it's like, but the, and, and, and just a, a good example, too, like, Private label, right? Private label is this huge competitor for all of our our clients' brands. You get to the store, you intend to buy, you know, your name brand bag of chips, for example, but then you reach for for the cheaper private label. They have good flavors. They have really good branding now. So there's a lot of switching behavior happening in the moment. Mm -hmm. And none of that is is predictable. And none of that is really something that, um, you know, you can kind of plan for it, right? That that's happening in the moment. That's all happening at the shelf. What's drawing people in to make these decisions? A lot of that's happening in the moment. So yeah. it's super important that we're getting into that moment. Well, and you come from, you come from system one research, so I don't have to tell you. So this could also be subconscious. And so when I leave the store, I may think that I bought the name brand. So if you ask me now to self-report, Oh, yeah. I had every intention of buying the name brand. I think I brought the name brand, but actually my system went into just a automatic drive and I didn't. Yep. And that, that happens all the time. It's subconscious and even private label are, are kind of, quote unquote, copycatting these name brands so that they are pinned against each other more closely so that people grab for the the option that looks like the name brand, but might just be cheaper, right? So like, and the great thing about video is that we observe that, right? And, mm. and we could hear people saying, oh, I'm, I'm buying Lays, but they're actually grabbing for something else. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of crazy to see that, that happen, but <laughs> video evidence is hard to, uh, to go against. So it's, it's nice to have that, that type of data. Well, I didn't know if you knew this about me, but my degree is actually in cultural anthropology. So talking about observing oh. behavior. Yeah. So I totally know where you're going with this, but I would love to hear from your perspective, you kind of hinted at it a little bit before that if we really could passively observe the consumer, the, the, the data would be so rich and just so amazing. Now we get these little snippets of being able to do it through your platform. But tell me exactly how those methodologies that you're talking about, this passive uh, observation, how would these methodologies really revolutionize the insights industry. That's what you alluded to a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you think about data that's already existing and out there, for example, on a new product launch, a company spends so much time and money and energy into concept testing, innovating, coming up with this idea of packaging, 
price point, go to market strategy, and it's finally out there, right? The ton of time is spent to get a product out there. And what do we do? We wait for sales data, right? <laughs> that That's how you determine whether your product's going to be successful. And that, you know, is, is a good indicator if you're doing well. Um, if you're not doing well too, then you'll you'll know through sales data. But understanding why, right? Like that's that's the black box that that I think we're able to open and and let our clients peek into and say what is going on in the store. It's a jungle out there, and there's so much that can be going on. But new product launches, a ton of money goes into that, and to understand why that product launch might be successful or not, what are the, the challenges that we might need to overcome, mm-hmm. that's the type of insight that, that we're able to observe, and because the the, the instructions are are light, and they're, they're very top line, right, like they're, they've indicated to us that they're going to the store for that category, we're able to observe if they naturally even notice your product, right? So that right. could be a huge, a huge issue. If, you, if you're not getting noticed, you can't get purchased. So mm-hmm. are you not getting noticed because of placement on shelf? Is there, you know, a need for more education or marketing? Um, is it adjacency as to who you're sitting next to? Are, you, are your colors blending in with, with the, the neighbors that you're sitting next to on shelf? All of these things we can test and understand just by letting shoppers shop, right? Mm-hmm. So that you know, it's, they know that they're making a video, but beyond that, they have no idea what we're looking for. They're just going in there to make their, their purchase decision. So right. by being as fast as possible, we're, we're really able to revolutionize how, for example, new product launches might be, um, you know, done in the market and the insights that can be provided at the speed that we can provide them. Right. So you keep saying, you know, the shelf space and being sat and adjacent to some. This is why I, I I highly recommend having only ugly friends because you're the, you look like the best one on the shelf. <laughs> it's not working out for me. I have all these gorgeous friends. <laughs> but um, so you've been talking about shelf life and there is a lot of conversation, obviously, in consumer packaged goods about the end cap, about, you know, the, the placement, the eye level, all these things. But I wanted to point out a, a interesting conversation you and I had a while back that it's not just the the uh, experience on the shelf in the store, but that you were also able to work with companies to help them see the customer making the decision even online. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so obviously e-commerce is an exploding environment. Um, lots of people are shopping online and getting their groceries delivered or they're doing online grocery pickup. There's all these new ways to shop and it's totally disrupted our environment, which is great, right? Change needs to be disruptive. And I think, you know, these, these companies that are, are supporting online grocery pickup and delivery are, are getting it right. Um, so being able to visualize that, I mean, CPG companies have been used to being available in brick and mortar only. And, and in the past few years, it's exploded. And we do research and research a lot at Nailbiter. We're seeing these trends pick up all the time. Like online shopping, it's just, it's going through the roof. So um, no news there, right? Everyone knows mm-hmm. that. But understanding that environment is totally uh, another black box too. Talk to clients all the time. They just have no clue how their category is navigated online. <laughs> what search terms do they use? Do, do they go and type in Oreo or are they just looking for cookies? Like what is... How is that, what does that path to the purchase look like? Um, mm-hmm. And where can we kind of intercept and make that shopping experience better for them? 
Um, where should we be present on the category page? You know, getting that data to, to help drive those conversations with retailers around the search terms that, that can be optimized for your brand, the category. And then, of course, the whole fulfillment experience. That's a complete um, jungle on its own. Oh, so we've goodness. actually helped our clients observe the fulfillment process at home when somebody gets their groceries delivered. When they pick them up at the store using video, we're able to observe their satisfaction with that experience, but also any uh, gaps in, in that uh, process because it's new. It's, it's all just exploding in the past uh, year or so. So it's, um, yeah, something we can capture. We capture the, the mobile device screen, tablet, desktop, and then as, as they're making those decisions, they're narrating. So we're getting into the, the whys behind the buy as well. Well, I love how you're talking about data as something that we use to drive meaningful conversations with the client and then they want to drive meaningful changes, whether that's in a launch or that's in, you know, an ongoing sales situation, all the way down, like you mentioned, even the fulfillment experience, you're looking to help them uh, fix those gaps. But you and I talked a little bit about this kind of concept of data that is helping them take action. But you have a little bit of a funny pet peeve about the word actionable. So tell me about that. Let's kind of break down this market research funny uh, pet peeve. Yeah, so well, so all insights have to be actionable, right? Or else we, you know, clients wouldn't commission projects. They want to learn something. They want to be able to take a report or, or an insight and then do something. But I think actionability has gotten a little blown out of proportion. I think it is sometimes misused, I would say. And I think in the era of short-termism that's been exploding recently, and I, I think things like, you know, Mark Pritchard from P&G announcing that, you know, their digital spend doesn't do as much as they thought it did. Like, there's all this pressure around action, delivering action and results. And it's been, I think, used in the past few years almost like in fear and, and in a threatening fashion that every insight has to lead to action. And I agree, but action doesn't have to always be um, answering a specific question, right? Mm -hmm. Action can be foundational research. It can be discovery or illumination, or it can even lead to the next question. But, you know, I think there's just a lot of pressure on, on marketing departments and insights departments to always know what's next after a research report. And that's, I think, um, just kind of high expectations. I, I do think that our industry should be held to high expectations, but insights is discovery, right? It's not always going to lead to the question that we need to answer right now. It just might bring us to the next step. And I think we, we should be more accepting and forgiving of that process. That mm -hmm. insights is an illumination process. It's not necessarily ask and answer, ask and answer, right? And I think with more innovative methodologies that, that keep popping up, it's starting to illuminate the consumer and the shopper experience, and that's just going to lead to more and more questions. And that's okay, right? It's, it's, it's a question leading to another question, I think, is a beautiful thing. And I think we should just appreciate that more and not always feel like we need to take an insights report and run and go do something with right. it. Like it's there, you know, and, but that also poses a challenge of timing, right? Everyone's always under uh, crunch timeline. So I know that everything I say is like a perfect world, but that's just my little pet peeve. That's I'll okay. This is, this is my now. podcast and <laughs> this is my podcast and we can have our perfect world. <laughs> Jocelyn, we're creating it. Let's take a short break. Teams are getting smaller, but you still have to get your research in-field. If only you could partner with a global expert to be an extension of your team without the extra overhead. Look no further. Gazelle Global provides the ad hoc services you need 
when you need them. Visit gazelleglobal.com to learn more about how we can handle global sampling, field management, data collection, and more. Our team is ready to lend our expertise to complete projects to your specification. Visit gazelleglobal.com today. You know, I kind of wonder if, like, as you were talking, it makes me think about how we have uh, really more embraced this concept, too, that the consumer's path to purchase is not one, two, three, four, five. It's not, you, you came from system one. They certainly understand there's not a logical, you know, uh, a step and journey to picking up your product. People are more complicated than that. And I think that approach to um, also to market research, you know, whether it's an acknowledgement of the iterative approach or maybe even the more uh, approach where it needs to be seen always in, as enlightening. Is this enlightening us in any way? <laughs> Are we getting right. value or meaning out of it? That's also embracing this idea that while the path to purchase is not just this logical, you know, step process, also the path to understanding that consumer behavior could not possibly be linear like that either. Right. Yeah, things don't happen in a vacuum. So we have to be more (laughs) adaptive to the fact that, like, you know, technology and media has just allowed us to be so much more dynamic as Mm. humans, but certainly consumers, right? Like, there's so much available to us to educate ourselves. There's so many new smaller brands entering the space. It was a long time ago that there was only a couple brands in every category. Now it's like you can't keep up with the, the new smaller, um, you know, kind of funkier, uh, trendier mm-hmm. brands that are just launching their own thing. So it's a complex landscape. I mean, I think you're right. Like we, we just don't know how consumers act and mm-hmm. Not at all linear. Yeah, um, yeah. Process at all. Well, I think that's why innovative approaches and platforms like Nailbiter it, it make this process that much more interesting, because we're really getting closer and closer to the human behavior itself, not yeah. farther from it. And you know, you just don't feel that kind of sense of just total removal and objectivity when you're watching those videos of someone shopping. You feel like a part of it. Yeah, and that's like. That's what I love so much about the past seven months is that we love that. But when we get to show our clients, it's so rewarding. They, mm. It's, it's like, again, opening up a, a box and just observing their, their consumers and, and shoppers in the real world. And it's exciting for them seeing them on video. We have clients that will watch every single video that we have on a dashboard. And that's not <laughs> even our final deliverable. Our final deliverable is like a full PowerPoint report with metrics and data and action. And it's like... We, we have this video dashboard that comes with it where they can see all the videos, but there's like 150 to 200 videos in every mm. project. And we will have clients watch every single one just because it's so, I think, fun, but also fascinating and insightful for them to, to watch them. And then they bring those videos to their retailers, and that really starts a lot of conversation. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, they get to build their relationships with their with their customers as well, which is Definitely important for, you know, category management, shopper insights to, to build those relationships, sales and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of mutually beneficial for, for both parties. Yeah, it seems like it puts the human back into the whole mix here. <laughs> you know, this was a right. human who looked at your product. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, this isn't and just a report. The human, have, the human should have never gone anywhere, too, right? There's a lot of, like, 
automation going on and a lot of AI. And we're like, what happened to the human? I think, uh, you know, it's, it's good to keep the human at the center of human research. Yeah, I like sure. it. I like it. So that's one of your pet peeves. And I think it's funny. And, and, and I like talking about it with you because then other people walk up and we start talking about it. And I think it's always good to keep that conversation going in the industry. One of my pet peeves kind of standing outside of the MR world is that the, a lot of MR companies I work with, they cannot divulge who they work with. And it is, I mean, this is really across the board. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, here I'm, you know, own a marketing agency, and we constantly get to say who we work with and who we work for. And so I always feel that MR firms are at this, you know, this competitive disadvantage because most often than not, they have to stay silent on the matter. But this is not always true with platforms and technologies like yours. So do you have any insider information about why that is the case? Well, so we, of course, have restrictions as well. They help contracts and confidentiality agreements with with clients. That's typical of any market research firm that that don't want to disclose their relationship with any company. Um, And that's true across the board, right? That's that's always going to be part of, you know, legal agreements. Um, I think what we see at Nailbiter is that People want to talk about the work they're doing with us because they're using a truly unique approach and they want to showcase that. Um, And that's something that, you know, we're obviously incredibly excited about. But to see their excitement, to want to speak with us at conferences, to tell their story, to show the industry, hey, look at this approach and and the answers that we got um, from observing our shoppers and our consumers it's very, very rewarding for both of us. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that, you know, when when I got here, I was pretty floored to see the amount of, you know, interest in wanting to get up on stage and talk to their peers, talk to the industry about what they're doing. And, uh, you know, and I think in terms of the industry, it's setting a new bar, right? It's, it's as new innovative methodologies keep popping up, like that's the type of stuff that we should continue to showcase at the industry because, um, you know, it's setting new bars. It's it's saying, hey, like, this is what we're doing. What's next, right? So you keep kind of increasing the, the amount of innovation going on. And that's, that's exciting for, for us, but also our clients. Yeah. Well, I love hearing it when you co-present with someone else, because I do think it gives a great data science approach. And then it really gives a minute for the, the end client to say, but this was the problem. This was the, you know, emerging and the persistent problem that we just could not get unstuck about. And so this is how we were able to get unstuck. And I think the two sides of it, to me, really make it a much better presentation. I think that we all learn, you know, from that kind of a process. Yeah. And I would also add that I think in this true, again, of any market research agency, if you are a true partner and you're flexible and creative and you design and build approaches around their questions, it's, it's, more and more perfect for them every time, right? Mm. So that ability to do custom consultancy, that ability to bend and flex our platform around specific questions, that has been really powerful for us, but our clients especially, because they can come with a, a question and we'll, we will use the platform and, and, and design something around it. Now we have, you know, applications that are off the shelf more or less, but the, the beauty of the platform is that we can be really flexible with it. So, mm. That allows us to be partners. That allows us to be consultants with them to answer very specific questions. And, and that provides, obviously, very clear answers. 
Mm. Well, I feel, Jocelyn, that with your bachelor's in psychology, my bachelor's in cultural anthropology, and your master's in marketing, I think we could take over the world. Uh, let's do it. I yes. think we can understand what humans are doing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know. There's a lot of like human understanding in our background, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, hey, I'd like to end uh, with a little bit of a humanizing piece on, on our podcast, a little bit about what you're reading and, and what's influencing you right now. So do you have a blog or a book that you're reading right now that you, you'd like to share with us? So, yes. So my, my husband got me into a book. He was like, you have to read it. You have to read it. I picked it up and I was like, this looks like one of those cheesy like airport books or one of those books you find in, in the drugstore. And I'm like, what is this? It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And oh, yeah. Classic. Yeah, a, a classic. The, the cover needs a bit of work, in yes. my opinion, because it was totally turning me off. But it has totally changed the way I think about money. Um, and and how to invest in, in financial freedom and it's written from a very like edgy approach um, written in the eighties too so it's it's just very interesting talking about how we've been taught in society to go to school get a good education get a good job save all your money and that just totally the book totally flips that that on its head and it was awesome an mm-hmm. awesome read it's so and it, again it's totally changed the way we think about money so. And you are right about the cover that 1982 called and they want their cover back. Yeah, the picture of the author needs to be somewhere else. But there's so many other that can be So this is your first time being interviewed on a podcast, but do you listen to any podcasts? Is that a medium that you enjoy? It is. I mean, I I came into the podcast world, like many others did, through Serial. So that still remains like my favorite podcast. It was such an intriguing story and very well done. Um, I do listen to the Happy MR podcast, and that has really great content. Pondering from the Perch, of course, has great content. <laughs> I've actually really enjoyed digging through your, your episodes. Um, but I, I do keep it pretty, like, industry-focused. You I do? Okay. So. Yeah, that's really interesting. If you liked Serial, did, did you listen to S-Town? Yep, I did. Okay. <laughs> that's the only other one that I, that I listened to. When I, oh, my gosh. <laughs> game changers, game changers. So a lot yeah. of times I ask what people's favorite apps are. Do you have an app that you just love that's a go-to on your phone? Yeah, so it has to be my white noise app. I can't oh live gosh, without it. I, I, I sleep with a sound machine. Ever since I was in college and there were parties going around on all the time, I had to sleep with a fan on. I got used to that, stuck to that, and then my whole life I've slept with, with a, a sound machine. When I go to hotels, I remember the first time I went to a hotel, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't have my sound machine. I could not sleep. So <laughs> when I found the white noise app, it, it changed my life. <laughs> well, I've got a little different question for you, and I haven't asked this to my other um, interviewees before, but do you recall what was the last app you just deleted off your phone? I asked this because Ooh. this is human behavior, and it is interesting. We talk all the time about finding a way to, you know, get products and services in front of clients and get them to choose them. But it's, I, I find it kind of curious maybe to start asking those of us in the MR field, you know, when did we, n- you know, willfully not choose a client, you know, a, a service or a product? And I thought an app is an interesting way to talk about that. Do you remember one that you downloaded and then you actually deleted it? <laughs> so it, it's funny. It, and this actually ties back into Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But my husband and I, we bought a Tesla last year. Mm-hmm. So excited to have it. My husband was just fascinated with, with the brand and the technology. It was very exciting to have. 
and then we read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and we sold it, and that means that we deleted the app. The entire car was controlled through your app. Oh um, my! But yeah, it was just something. Yeah, that we uh, we ended up getting rid of. It was you know expensive investment for sure, um, but no longer need the app. So that is not on my phone. That is so. See, I'm going to stick with this question. It's a good behavior and it's a good consumer science question, but it's also just a good like emotional kind of question too. This is how yeah. we're making these decisions. And, you know, maybe Tesla would like to have uh, watched you delete it and make that decision. <laughs> right? They would have found that it wasn't easy. And my husband, was, it was very hard. Excruciating. Was yeah. <laughs> well, I want you to connect with Jocelyn. You can hear from her what an expert she is. And also just that it's exciting to her, you know, to be getting closer and closer to the humans that we're trying to study when we're looking at uh, consumer and behavior uh, research. So Jocelyn and you can find her online, and she's a senior VP, like I said, of Nailbiter, and that's all one word, N-A-I-L-B-I-T-E-R. For those of you who listen across the world, I am going to spell her name for you. It's Jocelyn, J-O-C-E-L-Y-N, and her last name is Simon, S-I-M-O-N. Make sure you connect with her on LinkedIn. That's where I talk with her <laughs> and say hi. And uh, you know, and feel free to ask her a question. But Jocelyn, thank you so much for coming on Ponderings from the Perch and just enlightening us with just really some of this curiosity and the passion and the drive that you have for these video moments and the real in the moment, the real behavior that's happening for the humans in this world. It was my pleasure, Priscilla, and thank you so much for having me. This was a ton of fun, and I'm I'm glad I had the opportunity to, uh, to do this talk with you. So thank you again. Awesome. From all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.